Man, we had like an actual proper fall morning uh, today. It was kind of nice. Woke up this morning, it was chilly in the house. That was kind of nice. I kind of liked a little, a, a, a little bit of that. It was kind of cool walking out. Oh, I didn't mean to make a pun there, uh, walking out this morning. Oh, we're going to be like that this morning. Okay, I see, I see how it is. Well, welcome to our, our week two on the uh, letter of James from the New Testament. Last week, we talked about what it looks like to have a faith that works, uh, both uh, metaphorically and in uh, actuality, what it means to put our faith into practice. Because if faith is just an intellectual exercise for us, then it's not going to take us very far. There, faith isn't really faith at all if there's no appropriate accompanying action. And so that's what we talked about last week. Uh, following Jesus is either who we are, you know, as a disciple of Jesus that defines what we do, what we go about doing, what we think, how we live our life, or, or it's just an accessory, you know, that we kind of carry along with us until we forgot where we left it or it no longer fits with who we are. And that's why it matters whether or not we read and hear the word and go away and do it, or we go away and forget who we're called to look like. All that being said, because we're not perfect, even if all of us became robotic, in following every single thing that Jesus ever taught us to do, every single thing that we read in Scripture, life is still not going to end up perfect. And some would look at that and say, ah, see, you know, that's not that great of a faith, right? That faith doesn't work because look at Jesus. I mean, Jesus was perfect. He did everything exactly as he was supposed to. He's tempted in every way except without sin, and that led to his crucifixion. So sometimes we can look at that and say, oh man, I'm not really sure if my faith is working because of all these other things that are happening in my life. However, there's something that came after Jesus' crucifixion that proves something completely different, that the way that we think about our faith, the way that we think about following God leads to something that we don't expect, and that is to resurrection. That is to brand new life, a new creation life. And that is the proof in the pudding when it comes to putting our faith into practice and why it works. It actually gives us a whole different perspective on life, a whole different worldview, a whole different philosophy. And that leads into the theme that Sarah mentioned earlier that we're gonna be talking about in James, another big theme in James, and that is that of wisdom and what it looks like to characterize our life by knowing God's word and doing it. It is the way in which we approach our worldview and it's how we function within a world that doesn't always make sense despite the fact that we have a created innate sense that it ought to make sense. And so James take, tackles this right at the beginning of his letter in James chapter one. He says this, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that he created. Wisdom, then, from God becomes the path through which we move through life. When we encounter trials, when we don't have the wisdom to understand why they are present in our life, they give, wisdom gives us a sure foundation that helps us move beyond our doubts and exercise the faith that God has our best interest 
in mind, that he wants to bless us in life, and that the truth of his word sets us apart as those who are wise. And so inevitably, because James is all about faith in action, we come to the question, what does it look like to do wisdom in our life as Christians? How do you do wisdom? I I think there's a great quote, and I can't remember where I came across this years ago, where I heard it first, but I think this is a great starting point. Knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. I, that's stuck with me for years. I, I, you know, I, I love that one. It's like, that's, that's a really important distinction. In other words, just because you're smart and you know stuff, it doesn't necessarily mean you're wise. I know plenty of smart people who do a lot of dumb things. I, do you? Can we? Yeah, yeah me too. I, like, I'm talking about me too when I, when I say that. Um, there's a difference between having a good memory and remembering things and knowing things and, and and knowing what to do with those things that you remember. And it's, it's all of us. We've all got our areas of, of knowledge, the things that we're engaged in, things that we know how to do. And I know a lot of times we think of categorizing ourselves and how intelligent we are based on how expensive our diplomas are. But even in that regard, we recognize intelligence beyond just levels of education, right? So look at people who have dropped out of college. If you ever Google it, you could do it right now. Google it and look at all the people who dropped, famous people who dropped out of college and the things that they have accomplished. Steve Jobs, for example, maybe for of him, Bill Gates, Michael Dell. Do you know we have two, two presidents, actually, uh, in, our, in our nation's history? It might not be who you would guess or expect. We're not going to chuckle at that one either, are we? All right. My politics example that's coming up here in a little bit is not going to go well this morning, maybe. Uh, President William McKinley and Harry Truman. Uh, Flank, Frank, Flank, Frank Lloyd Wright, the architect. Didn't, didn't graduate college. You know, he's like, well, yeah, surely you have to to be an architect. I mean, intelligence, wisdom, knowledge, I mean, that, that can be a transcendent thing. And wisdom has this similar transcendent characteristic as well. You might find wisdom in the gathering of the most brilliant minds of the age, but you'll also find it at 6.30 a.m. in a Hardee's with a bunch of octogenarians. You'll find it from a farmer in rural, rural America. You'll find it from an elementary school uh, kid who makes wise observations about the world around them. Wisdom is not just about what we know, but it's also about how we apply that knowledge and how we handle, maybe even more importantly, what we don't know. Most often, that's the thing we're least willing to admit, the things that we don't know. We think we've got a posture, we think we've got a preen, we think we've got to make you know, people think that we're smarter than, than we really are. Maybe because we're embarrassed that we don't know something, we don't want to ask for help, but wise people are okay with that. They're okay with admitting when they don't know something, and they're more curious about the world around them because they understand that wisdom is developed from how we view the world and not just what we know going into it. Thus, James' example for asking for wisdom in the midst of persevering through trials in our life, navigating the unknown and turning to the one who does so that we might continue on. And James is pointing to, again, this particular worldview and philosophy of life, this wisdom from heaven that comes from us following Jesus in our lives. Proverbs, uh, which is a whole collection of wisdom writings in the Old Testament, identifies it this way. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Not a paralyzing fear, as if we don't know what God might do, 
but a reverence for his holiness and for, and for faith in the fact that he will do just as he says he will do. And that when we put into practice God's way, the wisdom of the lifestyle of the disciples of Jesus will bear out in the fruit that we produce within our lives. And James continues on with what wisdom looks like in chapter 3. He says this, starting in verse 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in a peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So there's some really important distinctions that are made about the wisdom that comes from God and what that looks like in, in our lives. A good life is evidenced by deeds that are done in humility that comes from the wisdom from God. And those deeds are very clearly lined out from James. He gives us a description of what this wisdom looks like. He says, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. None of these things require a certain level of education, a certain level of knowledge necessarily. Everyone can practice these things but they do take a lifetime of consistent practice to master and begin to look like Jesus. And one of the most intelligent things we can do in order to be intentional about our lives and our decision-making, how we interact with the world around us, is asking the question, what is the wise thing to do? However, that can also leave us pretty empty if we base that on the wrong type of wisdom. And so I want you to imagine this description, this wisdom of heaven, that, uh, the wisdom from heaven that James gives, and I want you to imagine that being the filter through which we, you know, for example, through the content we consume in our lives. So we think about that list, the pure, and we can leave that up on the screen, the pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, um, impartial and sincere. Think about the, the content we consume, social media, the TV, the movies, the music, and what if we ran it through this filter? What is it producing in our lives? Or the conversations that we have. What if we use this, this wisdom filter as the way in which we view the conversations we have with someone or, or maybe even about someone? Or maybe even the thoughts that we think. What if we ran this wisdom filter through the thoughts that we think the inner life that we have in our hearts and our minds? To what wisdom are we being directed in these areas? It's helpful if we understand the way in which things are impacting us so that then we can respond to them. We can pursue and practice the wisdom the Holy Spirit counsels us in. That is, if we can recognize it and what it's meant to look like. It's difficult to do so because like with everything sin touches, all it takes is just a little twist on something, just a, a little sideways energy on something that could be good that is corrupted because humans take things at their sin-broken face value. That's kind of our default rather than their wisdom-created value. And I like, to, I like to stay away from controversial topics, so I want, I want to use politics as an example of this, all right, if that's cool. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, a year ago at this time, we did a multi-week uh, series on politics, and so I, I invite you to, to, check, to check that out if, if you'd like to. And I'm going to paint in broad strokes with this example, right? Because I want to make sure I, you know, equally offend and upset everyone. You know, that's, so that, that's, that's what I'm going to do it. So it can be totally unfair, okay? So the favorite things for folks to portray is that disagreement, and let's, let's take from the, from the right and the left, those are familiar terms to us, right? 
is, is that the disagreement between the right and the left politically in the United States of America are reduced to just untenable positions. You know, we, we look at the, we try to demonize each other by the, the radicals on the extremes on, on either side, right? And say, and say they're completely stupid for what they think. What's ironic about that is both sides are right. Oh, that's a slow burn right there. We didn't appreciate that. Okay. All right. Maybe you didn't catch it. That's, that's fine. Uh, both sides uh, think that they are the only ones who are right. They are the only ones who have the answer. And most normal people, whatever that means these days, I think see beyond much of that. But notwithstanding, that's kind of a picture, that's the popular picture the media paints of the United States right now. It's, you know, irreconcilable differences on the extremes. Can't come together. The other side is stupid. Both are right. All right. Now, it wouldn't take much to make me happy. You know, if somebody went, ran on a platform of getting rid of day, daylight savings time and bringing back the old gas cans, because um, the new ones are garbage. Yeah, yeah okay, all right. That's <laughs> amazing. All right, that, that got the best reaction today. Okay, gas cans. All right, so that's the, when I run for politics, that's what I'm going to run a platform on. All right. And so, so when you look at the right and you look at the left, and you, again, broad strokes, so everybody's equally offended. You know, on the right, the individual right is, is the key. And so if everything was left up to the individual, everything would be great. And the individual is the solution. On the left, systems are the solution, right? If, if, everything, if we had the right systems in place, then that would take care of it. Again, again, broad brush. And so folks argue about the evils of government and argue about the merits of government. People get mad. Thanksgiving dinner with the family is canceled. Bad feelings all around. So let's apply wisdom to that, all right? Wisdom from heaven. First of all, we're going to recognize these matters that people get upset about. Again, broad brush. We'll recognize it for what it is, that, that it is opinion. It's an opinion that somebody holds. And I get that they're extremes, and some of those opinions are terrible on, on both sides, and I, and I get that. But then we'll recognize something even deeper than that. Scripture doesn't lead us to take a side but it also doesn't lead us to walk a tightrope in between the two, straddle the fence. But there's actually a whole other way that God calls us to live within, that Jesus models for us as disciples of his, in which individuals are called to walk in systems that bear out the kingdom of God in our lives. So yes, we engage with politics in this world. It's not about developing an aloof sense of superiority where we keep everybody at arm's length and say, oh, how stupid are you for engaging in the world? God calls us to do that. But godly wisdom calls us to engage in a way that is wiser than our sin-broken defaults. Just because we know or we think we know something doesn't mean that we are thinking about it in a wise way. And our actions will call us out on this. If we're arguing, if we're gossiping, if we're demonizing others, if we're bitter, if we're angry, if we're dishonest about it, chances are we aren't being very wise at all. There's a lot of emphasis in our culture to express our lives by how we feel within. Well, that's not helping anybody, and it's not wisdom. Because wisdom doesn't come from within. Wisdom is developed by what we take in and then what we pour out as a result of what we're taking in. Wisdom is a learned behavior 
It's, it's a way in which we develop our character and nature alongside God's. And James sets us up with what to do to go about learning and developing it. So let's go back and look at that filter that he gives. The wisdom from heaven is first of all pure. And what does that mean? Well, it's able to hold up to the scrutiny of God's word in our life, his character and his nature. Who are we trying to convince with our intelligence? Right, is that, is, that our, is that our goal? Or are we allowing ourselves to be convinced by the one who knows all? This is especially important when it comes down to the things we don't know and how we choose to trust God with those things. So wisdom from heaven is first of all pure. Then it's peace loving, which means that we have right relationships when we are living wisely. If for our part, we are creating the opportunity for others to draw closer to one another and to God, then we are living wisely. On the other hand, there will be times when other people don't allow that to happen. There's not much we can do about other people. We can, we can uh, control ourselves sometimes with the Holy Spirit. And it would be those times that we recognize foolish behavior by the divisiveness that others leave in their wake. But we don't, we don't get dragged into it. So wisdom is peace-loving. And wisdom is also considerate. That means we have a generosity of spirit in the way in which we interact and think and treat about other people. This is when we understand that the spirit of the law without needing to distance ourselves from others with the letter of the law. And this is when we get into the difference between who God has called us to be and what the default of the world is and how we interact with each other and how we treat one another. Wisdom is submissive because that means we know when to learn know when to be curious about other people and their experiences and what has happened in their lives so we can gain more knowledge so we can know what to do with it. How many times have you found your stubbornness to cause trouble when curiosity should have been applied? I mean, for me, it's been countless numbers of, uh, number of times, you know, because I, like, I, know, I know what it is and I know what's going on. And then you find out just a little bit more detail. I care a little bit more about that person's life and their, their experience, and you learn just a little bit more, and you're able to apply just a little bit more wisdom. Wisdom is full of mercy and good fruit. Quite simply, it means that when we're wise, we help other people. It is one thing to sympathize or empathize with someone. That, I mean, those are wonderful things. We absolutely ought to do that thing, those things. It is a whole other thing, though, to walk with them and bear their burdens alongside of them. And this is whether somebody deserves it or not. This is the type of wisdom that James is talking about as he's using these words to describe wisdom, uh, whether this is a problem of someone's own making or not, whether or not they were wise or not. How we respond to it, that wisdom looks like us helping others. And wisdom from heaven is impartial. And this means, uh, this means a, a certainty of faith in God. Undivided in our thinking based on God's word, we are not driven and tossed by the shifting tides of cultural wisdom, but by the solid foundation of God's unshifting character and nature. And finally, wisdom from heaven is sincere. And this means honesty with no hypocrisy. That might seem repetitively redundant, but, but it's not. There's no pretending or posturing that exists in wisdom, only desire to seek after God and improve with his wisdom each day. If you want to grow in wisdom, and I, and I assume all of us are in that place in our lives. We want to be wiser. I don't know anybody who says, no, I'd, I'd, I'd rather not be wise at all. I wonder if I might challenge us to run the content that we consume and the conversations that we have and the thoughts that we think through this filter of wisdom from heaven and the character that we're supposed to be developing, the standard of wisdom that James sets forth for us as followers of Jesus. And what if, what if over the next few weeks, 
for the rest of the month. We, we just use, maybe we write this on a three by five card if those even exist anymore, or we kind of make a note on our phone and make it our screen background or something like that of, of these, you know, these wisdom from heaven characteristics that James points out for us. What would, what would things look for, like for us over the next few weeks? One of the things that set Jesus apart from the rote religiosity of the teachers of the law of the, of the day was his wisdom. And that helped people hear the gospel despite their surrounding culture and traditions, not giving much space or time or effort for wisdom at all. And while we are not going to be on the same level of wisdom as Jesus, when we attempt to apply it and model it with the help of the Holy Spirit, others will have the same opportunity to encounter the gospel as well. In a very real and practical and spiritual sense, it is the difference between goodness in life and evil in life. The expressions of knowledge that we find in the world aren't always the wisest in their worldview and their philosophies, and sometimes they're outright antithetical to the way of Christ. And so that's why we have to be intentional about developing the kind of wisdom that God calls us to. So let me just close this morning by reading a passage of scripture. This is from Paul's letter to the Romans in in chapter 16, uh, as he's ending this letter, as we consider and meditate what it means to practice and embrace godly wisdom in our lives. And this is what he says. This is my prayer for us as a congregation. This is a prayer, my prayer for, uh, for Christians as we live out wisdom in our lives. I urge you brothers and sisters to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. May we share the same wisdom together. Let's pray. God, it's much easier to just kind of go about um, life living, living it based on what we already know and what we've kind of picked up along the way. God, help us to Help us to shift into kind of that automatic way of living to, to a wiser way of examining um, what, what we're doing and what we're thinking and what we're saying and who we're being in, in this life. And examining how we're impacted by the things and the people and the places that we engage in as, as we go. We're going to be put in plenty of situations to be around things and and people and situations that are are not wise. But God, you empower us with your Holy Spirit to react wisely in those moments. And there's a great opportunity to bear out the fruit of the resurrection in those moments. And God, we just ask that you counsel us in that, that you help us, that you remind us of those things through your Holy Spirit that you help us to, to look at life in a, in a wiser way, in a, in a more heavenly way, in a God's kingdom-directed way. Because we know that that's the difference between a good life and one that's not that great. God, help us to be wiser as individuals. Help us to be wiser in our communities. God, we praise you for the fruit of the resurrection the new life that you've created for us that begins right now. And we look forward to to all eternity. God, help us to have the wisdom to live that out as we go about 
our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.